1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And um, I'm going to read Romans uh, 3, uh, verse 3 and verse 22 as well. Praise the Lord. Did you enjoy last week? Yeah. What a tremendous blessing. And uh, it's wonderful to see the Lord working around the world. And uh, such, uh, such amazing fruit. And, um, you know, Nepal is one of the, uh, it's a tremendous mission field. It's, maybe I'd call it like a romantic mission field. I don't mean you're going to meet somebody that you love there. I mean, when you think of missions, a lot of times you think like dirt floors and not a lot of stuff and villages. And so much of Nepal is still like that. And uh, Scott had told me when we were together last week about, um, you know, they have this Joshua project that maps all the uh, um, unreached people groups. And uh, he said one of the people that came to one of their uh, um, ministry events and uh, went back to their village, uh, he came and I guess he got born again. When he went back, he said, my village is not on that map. Nobody knew that their whole village existed. It was a people group unidentified. And then he said, there's another village uh, just up the road from ours that's unidentified. And I said to Scott, I said, well, does that mean like they're from Wisconsin or they were up there for a long time, they pastor in Wisconsin? And I said, um, does that mean like you live in this little town in Wisconsin and then there's another town 20 miles away and they're unreached? You know, it's like the same type of people. He said, no, 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 no. Totally different culture. Different customs. So it's not just like, he's not just saying, well, this village and this village and this village. And so now, like in India, you'd have like thousands and thousands of villages that would be unreached. It's not like that. It's distinct people groups with different culture, different language. And so uh, that just happened this last year, I, I believe it was, uh, where that young man... Um, said, hey, my village is not on here. So they called up the Joshua Project and got them added. No, but then, of course, they're reached because that man went back to his village and uh, brought the message of Christ. So uh, it's tremendous. Paul talked about this in Romans chapter 15, that I have endeavored not to labor where other people have labored, but to labor where the gospel has never been preached. Or the gospel has never been preached, reaching uh, the unreached. So um, we'll be sending them a, a nice check uh, tomorrow. And so we're so excited about uh, uh, the giving. And we thank everyone for your generous uh, gifts into their ministry. Uh, just a tremendous um, blessing. And uh, the Lord will multiply your seed sown. You're going to get to heaven, and there's going to be some uh, formerly earth Nepalese people that are going to say, thank you for helping me come here. And you'll say, what, what is your name again? And because of your giving, I got to hear. How can they hear unless they be sent? Right? Praise the Lord. So we're thankful for that. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 3. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? What if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? In other words, if some people don't believe the message, does that mean that there is no power or effect 
to God's faith towards them. Uh, Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ, or literally as it says it here, by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that what? Believe. For there is no difference. In other words, everyone must believe there's no favorites with God. He's talking about here Jews, Gentiles, and uh, Gentiles, anybody that wasn't a Jew, right? And so uh, just because the Jews are God's chosen people, that God, Abraham is the father of faith before the law and before the Jewish people. So that he could be the father of faith for them that are Jewish, but also them that are not. It's kind of like tithing. Tithing was outside the law. Faith was outside the law. And so the law was just kind of put in the middle there so that people would know like, hey, you're not perfect. You need help. Like reach out for help. Uh, You remember we talked a couple weeks ago about uh, Ian McCormick? So now I'll finish that because I, I, I neglected to finish that. So uh, long story short, he was in his early 20s and he just lived for pleasure, basically. And his greatest pleasure was surfing. And he was always out to catch the, what he called the perfect wave. Because he said, when you catch the perfect wave, time stands still. Like, nothing else matters. You're in this perfect wave, right? So he's trying to catch us, trying to catch us, and uh, leaves, and his mother was a believer, but the rest of his family wasn't, and uh, his mother kept trying to talk to him and talk to him, but he was, uh, as sometimes how young people can be, um, self-centered. And so he's like, well, I'm going. I'm going. I don't know what all that stuff is. He was an atheist. And so he went, started to travel the world. He's from New Zealand, so he he set out from there. He found himself uh, on an island off of Madagascar. And um, he ended up uh, going night fishing, uh, night diving, I guess, uh, with some local guys. And when he did, he was stung by five box jellyfish. And um, they say one box jellyfish uh, will kill you within an hour and a half or less. Depends where it stings you. If it stings you on your heart or your neck, it's within like five minutes or something like that. So uh, some of the most deadly, I don't know if you even call it venom, but some of the most deadly, I'll call it venom, venom that you could ever come in contact with. He got uh, bit by five. So anyhow, um, he was in the ambulance and uh, dying basically. When he's in the ambulance, he, all of a sudden, he is, his mother, he saw a vision of his mother in front of him and he could hear her prayer, which actually happened at that moment. Ian, just give your life to the Lord. It's never too late. Just, he'll forgive you. He loves you. And so he did right there in the ambulance, but he still died. When he died, uh, he woke up outside of his body, and he was really kind of just outside of hell. And he could hear all these voices from hell speaking, and I guess they could hear his thoughts, and he didn't realize what was happening. He tried to touch himself, and his hand went through him, his body. Uh, because he didn't have a natural body. You know, he was outside of his body because he had, you know, seen his body in the ambulance and so on and so forth. And um, so uh, he's like, what is this? They said, this is hell. And he's thinking, well, I just, I deserve this, but I know I just prayed when I was in the ambulance. 
And so when he's in the ambulance, so he's thinking about this, and he, he, so he starts to say, well, Lord, I just prayed. You know, and he had prayed the Lord's Prayer. You know, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And to him, that was, you know, confessing the Lordship of Jesus. So he's like, I, I want you in my life. I don't want to be apart from you. And so when he said that, then all of a sudden he said he saw this light. A tunnel opened up with a light, and he began to ascend like a bubble in the water. So he ascended and went up to heaven. And then uh, he said Jesus appeared to him, or he saw Jesus there in heaven. And he was so brilliant, like his clothes were so brilliant. His, his face was so brilliant. Um, he was just overcome, really, by the whole experience. And so and he's thinking like a, a natural man. And so he's like, Lord, forgive me for denying you. Forgive me for mocking you. Forgive me for uh, always getting drunk. Forgive me for sleeping around. Forgive me. And so, but every time he would say, um, Lord, forgive me for this. See, because Jesus didn't remember his sins. He did. So every time he's confessing one of those sins, the Lord said, Ian, I already forgave you when you were in the ambulance. And he said, then like a wave of love would come out of Christ and hit me. And it overwhelmed the sense of guilt for what I had done. He said, then I'd say another thing, and another wave of love just came out of him and just overpowered me, overtook uh, those feelings and those things. And so then he said, I look behind Jesus, and I'm really just really shortening this. Uh, I looked behind Jesus, and I looked, and I saw the new heaven and the new earth. He said, you know, those are eternal things. So they last. And um, he said, what is that, Lord? He said, that's the new heaven and the new earth. And he said, Ian, would you like to stay or would you like to go? And he said, well, I want to stay, of course. Like, this is amazing. And he said, no one loves me back on earth. I just want to stay here. And he said, so he's looking to the, the new heaven and new earth. So then he, when he said that no one loves me back on earth, he looked back from where he came and that tunnel that he came through was still there. He could see the darkness at the end of the tunnel. And when he looked back, he remembered his mother. And he said, wait a minute, she's going to think I died in that ambulance and went to hell. I can't do that to her. She loves me. I love her. And he said as he looked, he saw this huge crowd of people. And he said to the Lord Jesus, who, who are these people? He's like, I don't know them. I don't love them. And Jesus said, but I do. And Ian said, I want to go back. He said, if you go back, you can't go back the same way. You have to go back with an eye for eternal things. And so he said, uh, Jesus said, turn your head or whatever. So he turned his head. He woke up on a slab in the morgue. He had been pronounced dead for, it was either 15 or 20 minutes. And he said when he woke up, when he came back in his body, rather, that he... Um, there was a doctor standing at his big toe, stabbing it with a scalpel. And he said, when he saw that I was there, he jumped through the ceiling. <laughs> I assume that's figurative. And the doctor said, I pronounced you dead 15, 20 minutes ago. And the nurses who had brought the body down to the morgue were standing in the hallway just chatting and they look in and see what's going on and they knocked each other over trying to run away in fear. So he was dead, dead. You know, 
And so um, he came back and, you know, of course, contacted his mom, and his whole life changed. And to make a long story short, he's been traveling all over the world, uh, ministering for Jesus Christ, and he pastors a church in England now. And so uh, just a tremendous um, testimony of the faithfulness of God, that God is a faithful God, uh, that, that even at the, even at the uh, end of your life, you think maybe there's no hope. There's hope. He didn't take his last breath. In fact, a part of the story uh, that I didn't tell was uh, when he was dying, uh, the Lord told him, he heard the voice of the Lord, and the Lord said, don't go to sleep. If you go to sleep, you will die. So he followed the voice of the Lord. In other words, he acted in faith. And by doing that, uh, I guess there was enough time for his mother to pray that prayer and for him to hear that prayer. You know, your prayers, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective, dynamic in its working. It makes tremendous power available. And so your prayers uh, um, are important. The prayers of a believing man or woman of God are important. A believing prayer is important. If it's a not believing prayer, it's not so important. But a believing prayer, uh, God hears that prayer. And a believing prayer, God answers that prayer. And so, um, I was, uh, I'm not going to tell you who or what, but I was, this week I saw some uh, very, well-known uh, minister and, uh, on uh, YouTube. And some people were uh, uh, criticizing this minister. And um, um, so I wanted to find out, like, what did he actually say? You know, what did he say? And he was talking about um, faith and faith in God, those type of things. And, um, well, they totally misunderstood him. And so they said, well, you know, he, um, he believes that, uh, you know, you can have doubt and come to God. And they're, they're thinking doubt in your heart, like that you doubt in your heart and you still are born again, right? And he's saying, he, I saw his message, he's ministering. He's like, no, 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 no. He's like, you can have doubt in your heart. He didn't use those words, but he said, you can have doubt and still come to God. And so I thought it was real interesting. And um, uh, as I kind of researched a little bit and prayed about it, I realized, oh, you know what's happening is this minister doesn't have light on spirit, soul, and body. In other words, all of us are a tripart being. There's three parts to what we call a human. So the outside part, which you see on me here, this is my body, my, my flesh, my, my, and then even the inside part, my organs, those type of things, the, the inside of my body. But the real me is my spirit. God knew you before you were born, before you were in, you were in your mother's womb, God knew you. Before you had flesh, before you had a body. Well, then there's your mind, your will, your emotions. 
I pray, God, Paul said, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you don't understand what you are, that you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body, uh, you're liable to be, get very confused. So these people criticizing this man, they were confused. And uh, he wasn't really confused, but he wasn't able to articulate it clearly because he didn't account for spirit, soul, and body. He's just saying his own experience, like, I have doubts. Well, what does Mark eleven twenty two twenty three say? Have faith in God. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will come to pass, whatever he says. Well, that's all based upon the, your faith in God. Have faith in God. Well, what's Romans chapter 10 talk about? If you're going to come to Christ, it is with the heart man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So uh, you see right there, when you come to Christ, you come with faith in your heart, not your head. God is not a mind. You don't come to God from your head. Reason does not enter into the presence of God. What I'm saying by saying that is reasoning things out will not get you into the presence of God. Figuring it out with your intellect or your reasoning abilities. But your reasoning abilities, your intellect, are a great blessing if you open your heart to God with your reasoning. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God's not saying don't think. He's like, you have the mind of Christ. Open your heart to me. So you can see someone that's hungry can come to God. Their heart's open. They might not know much. So I say that because understanding from the Spirit of God comes through your meditation of the Word. But when you meditate the Word, it has to gain entrance into your heart, not just your head. But sometimes through your head thinking on this and looking at this, all of a sudden a light bulb will come on in your heart. So, I mean, I'm, many times I'll read a scripture and, I, and, I, and I'm like, whoa, what, what is that? And then I have learned or developed, I guess, in I look to my heart and then light will come from my heart. But if I try to analyze it with my brain apart from my heart, then sometimes I get confused or I'm like, well, what is that? I can't, I can't grab it. I can't get it. You know, um, I'm not going to have uh, Jessica do this because of, uh, for time. But, you know, there is, uh, every room has what's called a resonant frequency. So uh, before the service today, I, I said, can you guys find the resonant frequency of this room? And it's apparently the key of C, right? Something like that. And so uh, anybody not know what a resonant frequency is? Okay. Well, I might have to have you demonstrate in a minute. Okay, so a resonant frequency, if you could do it, can you do it with your voice? Okay. So what happens is when I'm speaking or you're speaking in this room, now I'm amplified, my voice is amplified, of course, um, but everything's kind of normal. 
until you hit the resonant frequency of the room. And when you hit the resonant frequency of the room, that sound wave uh, gets amplified. Almost, sometimes it almost sounds like it's doubled. And so let's see if Jessica can do this. Okay, hit, hit like another key that's not that. feel how that's like you even hear how it's vibrating everything when she hits it and so like well, that's good enough so you could do this in your car do it in your shower it's a great place in the shower why because it's there's hard surfaces and it's small and so you can get your voice loud. so you just do different tones and you'll find what's called the resonant frequency and um, sometimes you find it and you're like, what in the world happened? You know, they, they design amphitheaters based on a similar principle. And so uh, when we used to meet at the middle school in that little auditorium, you know, I could stand in a certain place in that auditorium and it was like I had the PA system on, but there was no PA system. So um, this is what it's like when you begin to live from your spirit in the things of God. Because what happens is God's spirit, when you're born again, you become one spirit with the spirit of God. And uh, he that's joined to the Lord, the Bible says, is one spirit with him. But if the whole time you're just talking and you're not hitting the resonant frequency, you might not even know that it exists. And you're like, but sometime you might hit it by accident. And you're like, whoa, why did everything just get so loud? Why did everything start shaking? Because you just hit this frequency that you have the ability to hit, but you just have not ever hit it. And so when you are living by faith, you're living by um, the faithfulness of God that you believe, that you believe that God is a faithful God, that no matter what happens, God is faithful to me. Right, say, God is faithful to me. Now, um, Melody, can you come here? So this is Melody Ostrom. It used to be Melody Wegscheid. Yeah. And um, her middle name is Damore, <laughs> but it's not legal. Because she was born in France, and uh, they're like, you can't name somebody of love. <laughs> and uh, so really... She's just Melody Ostrom, Melody Wegscheid Ostrom. And so she is my wife, and I love her very much. And so Paul talked about, Ephesians chapter 5, you know, he said that the relationship of Jesus with the church is uh, just like the marriage relationship, that, you know, that the two shall become one flesh. He said, I speak concerning Christ and the church. Okay, you can go sit down. Okay. You look beautiful. I love you. <laughs> and so uh, you think of my faithfulness to my wife and her faithfulness to me, right? Or my lack of faithfulness to her or her lack of faithfulness to me. So well, we get married on that day. People use different vows, different things like that. So when we get married... A traditional vow is I give myself to you only forsaking all others or I'm true to you forsaking all others. But it's something along those lines that many of the traditional uh, marriage vows will have in them. 
Well, what are you saying? Well, I'm saying that God is a faithful God. And I'm saying that you coming to God is just like a man marrying a woman or a woman marrying a man. So think about this. If I love her, what do I want to do? I want to be faithful to her. And as a demonstration of my faithfulness to her, I am going to publicly declare that I want to become one with you because I want to be faithful to you for the rest of my life. So faith works by love, right? So when I meet her and get to know her, and uh, she meets me and gets to know me. It's a, it's a two-way street. If I don't know if anybody's single in here. If, you know, it's a two-way street if you're single. You know, it's not just a one-way street. You can't just say, I claim that beautiful person. And they're like unaware. It's both directions. God already knows that he loves you. But do you know that you love him? Right? And so... Uh, the marriage relationship is a picture of your relationship with Christ. You know, we are the bride of Christ. And we are the body of Christ. And so, in the, in the measure that I am, uh, love her, I will be faithful to her. So, faith works by love. God is a faithful God. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, 22, lay hold of the faithfulness of God or the faith of God. So, grab hold of the faith of God. Why do you say that? Because they're wondering what happened. Like uh, you spoke words and natural things changed. He spoke to the fig tree. No man eat fruit of you here ever after. Boom. At that moment, when the Son of God, anointed by God's Spirit, spoke words into the atmosphere, something changed that the natural man could not perceive. That tree withered when he spoke, but it was not seen until they went and passed back by again. Yet the words were already working. That tree had a death sentence because of the word of God that was spoken. So they're wondering about this, like how, how this, you know, we don't ever see like this. And he said, uh, lay hold of the faithfulness of God. In other words, don't try to do it yourself. You lay hold of the faithfulness of God. Uh, Romans 3.22, uh, that righteousness came to all by the faith of Jesus Christ, and it comes upon them that believe that. Believe what? Believe in the faithfulness of God. That God is a faithful God. That when you come to God, you know, forsaking all others. So I'm not, I'm turning away from my worries. I'm turning away from my ability to make things right. I'm turning away from my money that I have that I can just fix the situation. I'm turning away uh, from myself apart from Christ. I'm turning to Christ, right? This is the, you know, the Theological Dictionary of New Testament Terms, 10-volume uh, dictionary that I like so much. 
You know, faith is a turning and releasing of those things and a turning to Christ. So because I have faith, because, and the reason I have faith is because I have love for my wife I'm talking about. And really, how I say it, the Lord dropped her in my heart. So then I even have some faith from the Lord. So because of that, I'm like, I want to be united with you. So faith works by love. So you lay hold of the faithfulness of God, but your faith is not going to work without love. So it's interesting that the natural man will try to do things. Natural man would be things of the flesh and things of the mind where your mind has not been transformed by the word of God. Right? Romans 8, or excuse me, 12, verse 2. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can know the will of God. If you don't know the will of God, it's probably because your mind hasn't been changed. So you want to know the will of God? Get in the Word. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It is with the very words of God uh, that your road is paved. Right? And then so you see those words, you see the light uh, that comes from those words, and then you speak those same words. You say the same thing. So uh, when, you, when you live by faith, it's a love relationship with God. And His love is stronger than your love. And until you receive the love of God, you'll never understand faith. Well, if you're born again, the love of God is poured into your heart. It's not poured into your mind. It's not poured into your body. It's poured into your heart by the Holy Spirit. So God's love himself is in your own spirit. But you know, um, years ago, uh, you know, you think when someone gives you money that you will receive it. Well, you might check up on it and find out that somebody gives you money and you don't know how to receive. 2 Corinthians 8 talks about the grace, verse 7, the grace of giving and receiving. It takes the grace of God to receive. Some people don't know how to receive. So I had to learn how to receive. I always like to give. Um, not saying I was always generous. I had to learn how to be generous or had to enter into the ministry of generosity. Right? So, but I would give. There's a difference between giving and being generous. So you enter into generosity. But then you also have to enter into receiving. So I can remember um, years and years ago, someone giving me money. And they would not take no for an answer. Well, I felt like if I take this, I'm going to owe you something. Because I didn't understand giving and receiving and generosity. Generosity, you don't owe somebody something. Anyhow, that's not the subject. So I, I, I finally was like, okay, well, I'll just, I'm going to figure out how to give this back to you. <laughs> so I'm going to put it aside. So I had it, but it didn't benefit me. I carried it around. It didn't benefit me. So you can have something and not be aware of it. So you have the love of God poured into your heart. Like you don't have less than enough. You have an overflow of the love of God in your heart. And that overflow is for the purpose of overflowing into others. 
But I can't have my cup overflow into your cup if I have never had my cup overfilled. So, um, perfect love casts out all fear. First John, first John. Perfect love casts out all fear. So if you're going to love other people, you're going to have to let God love you first. In other words, no matter what you've been through in your life, no matter what challenges, no matter what difficulties, you let Jesus heal your heart. You let Jesus open, open your heart to him. Open your heart to what he says. God is a faithful God. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's not like some people that uh, get married and th think it's like a temporary transaction, you know? And so I'm going to, like, uh, marry you when, when times get tough. If they get tough, I'll just leave you. God's not like that. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He is a faithful God. He's faithful. So when you turn your heart over to him, you always get more than what you brought to the table. You get his ability, his abundance. You get his name. You know, modern society has kind of changed some, some of the marriage stuff, but marriage is a covenant, and being born again is a covenant with God. When you come into covenant with God, uh, the weaknesses of the lesser are swallowed up in the power of the greater. So all of your weaknesses, all of your mistakes, all of your inabilities, all of your um, sins are removed from you. And you get all of the rightness about God, all of the goodness of God, all of the blessing of God, all of the provision of God because of who you have been joined with. God is a faithful God. Even the righteousness of God, verse 22, which is by the faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, there is no difference. So all you have to do is believe. You believe that God did everything through Jesus Christ. You believe in the work of Jesus Christ. You believe in the faith of Jesus Christ. So I, I think about that. He was on the cross. He had faith in you when he was on the cross. He was thinking of you when he was on the cross. In fact, Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured that cross. And that joy was you at your worst, not your best. That's amazing. Well, when Melody wakes up in the morning, I don't do it anymore because I think it kind of really annoyed her. Uh, but before she wakes up, I would just take a little picture of her face. Because I'm a morning person and she's a, more of a night person. And so I'd be like, I'd be like, look, look, look. She's like, I don't look good in the morning. And I said, you always look good to me. I've known her since she was 22. We met when she was 22 and I was 26. And we got married when she was 23 and I was still 26. And so, Melody does not want to hear me say, oh yeah, I love you. And not mean it from my heart. I could have I said that to her all day long before we got married, and she would not have married me. Yeah, you're all right. You'll do. I did get a little frustrated when I was trying to propose to her, and I called her a goober. 
because she didn't understand what was going on. She was nervous we we're going to get caught, and you know, we're at, on the Rama campus in the middle of the night, and I knew all the security guards except for this one guy, who was the midnight guy. So he like kicks us out of the park. But God's not interested in you just saying mouthing words. It's not about just mouthing the right words. It's about words that are birthed from your heart of love for him because of his love for you. So when you focus on the faithfulness of God and the love of God, everything takes its proper place. Uh, Living by faith is the most freeing experience you could ever do in your entire life. You are not living by faith if you're frustrated. You are not living by faith if you're not full of joy. You are not living by faith if you think this is so much work. You are living by faith when you're like, oh, this is a rest and I enjoy it. You ever do a job that you just absolutely love? I don't mean like paid for it, but maybe you're paid for it. That's ideal. Have you ever done something you thought, man, if I could just get paid to do this. And it's hard work, but you're so fulfilled in it. You know, that's kind of like living by faith. Because you have this great adventure that no matter what you encounter, no matter what comes your way, it is not too big for God. And you have turned your eyes on Him. You have turned your eyes off of other people, other sources, other things, and you're like, I'm living for you and you alone. I'm looking to you and you alone. Uh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13 and then chapter 14, especially chapter 14. He wasn't diminishing the gifts of the Spirit. He's saying, I don't really care how magnificent all of these things are, the beginning of 13 and the beginning of 14. Uh, uh, Desire spiritual gifts, rather that you may prophesy, yet I have a more excellent way, and that is love. Faith works by love. So you can see sometimes people that call themselves people of faith, uh, but they're not people of faith if they're not people of love. So if I'm more interested in telling you what I know than I am in helping you, than I am in you hearing from God, not from me, uh, I'm not a person of faith. I'm not relying upon the Lord. Faith works by love. And God is love. So if you're trying to live by faith, but you're very frustrated, um, don't get frustrated with God about faith because you're not living by faith. You think you're living by faith, but you're actually living by works. Like, well, if I just read more word, then I'll just have more faith. Well, that is actually true. But it's not a work. It's a rest. And there's two kinds of unbelief. There's the unbelief that you just don't know. How many people don't know? I'm not asking you to raise your hand. But in the world, how many people don't know? You know, this, uh, this guy, um, what's his name? He has his dreadlocks. Todd White. Thank you. So this guy, Todd White, he gets a little upset sometimes. He's one of the most loving guys, but he can get kind of upset with uh, religious people. 
So he's like, nobody told me for years. But you know what? Once he was told, once he had knowledge in his heart, he received. He was made brand new. Faith is not, does not, is not like trying to work and 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 get this. Now you may, because you, you have other thoughts that you've allowed to be implanted in your, in your mind, you may have to meditate in the word, but when you're meditating in the word, your heart is open to God. It's like sitting down with your husband and wife and say, tell me your dreams. Tell me your passions. You sit with the word like that, what'll happen? Uh, your mind will get transformed and changed. What's going to happen? All of a sudden, you'll get an inward heart knowledge of what God is talking about. When that knowledge come, comes, there is no effort for faith. Faith is just there. So faith is not something that you work for. But you cannot have faith without knowing, without a knowledge of God in your heart. In other words, you can't come to Christ without a knowledge of God in your heart. Romans 10 tells you all about that. You must know God. You must have a knowledge of God. Once you have a knowledge of God, uh, how do I say that? Uh, you are not living by faith if you have to watch your words. If you have to watch your words, you're not living by faith. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So you don't have faith in that area if you're like, oh, I shouldn't say that. Well, that's okay. I guess that's a, that's a first step. But the problem is, the problem is people get stuck there and they get into works. Well, well no, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that. No, I think that's the greatest thing in the world if you say the wrong thing. Because you just found out, you thought you believed, but you don't. You thought you knew, but you don't. Because when you really know, faith is present. But you have to hear to know. You have to hear to know. Um, so if you're just like watching all of your words, what happens? Well, you have a three-part being. If you're saying all the wrong things, uh, you may have faith in your heart, but you're like speaking from your flesh. You know what I'm going to do to you? Because you cut me off. I'm going to, you know... How I do that is I tell Melody, you know, if I wasn't a believer, let me tell you what I would say. <laughs> if I was to ever flesh out, here's what I would say. Let me, just for a second. So it doesn't mean you don't have these doubts or these other thoughts that come. It means how you live your life by is from what you believe, from what you heard God say. So I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm moved only by what I believe. Right? So a marriage relationship. So I'm a man. I have testosterone. I have a sex drive. Uh, visual things for most men, like women, they don't have a lot of clothes on, get your attention. But as I'm faithful to my wife then I have eyes for her only. 
Doesn't mean I don't, don't know, you know, of course I notice a, a pretty woman or something like that. But what, where are my thoughts going? Where, what am I allowing? Well, because I love her, I am faithful to her. And so, because I'm faithful to her, my focus is her. Forsaking all others, give yourself to her only. Right, so, so I give myself to her. Well, it's the same thing with Christ. It's not that you don't notice the other things of the world, you don't notice other things going on, but you give yourself to him only. Why? Because he is faithful. And he loves you. And no matter what you're going through, he is greater. So with my wife, I don't have to try to say the right things to love her. Doesn't mean I can't find better ways to express the, what's already in my heart. Maybe she would like more words to express that. Or maybe she'd like me to write it down sometimes. Maybe she'd like me to like, uh, you know, phone it in or, you know, make a graphic or I don't know, like just... <laughs> All these different things, but I guarantee you she doesn't want the things without the heart. God is after your heart. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want a structure with you. That's not the right way to say it, but you know what I'm saying? Like a position with you. He wants a relationship. Right, they talk about in leadership, positional authority versus actual authority. So positional authority just means they put me in this position, so I'm in charge, so you have to listen to me. Right? So uh, I put myself under God, so I'm just under. No, he wants a relationship with you like the godly example of a husband and a wife. Stand with me if you would. Maybe you're in this room or maybe you're watching online and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. We are not talking about doing right things or becoming moral. We are not talking about um, God being mad at you. God is not mad at any human. God loves every human. Jesus died for every single human, no matter if they were doing good or bad. In fact, it says, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. You know how I take that? That means while I was doing the worst sin I have ever committed, Jesus looked and saw that and he said, I love you. I did not make you for that. I am not satisfied with you living as a slave to that. I want you free I want you fulfilled. I want you satisfied. In fact, Jesus himself said, the whole reason I came, the devil's trying to steal, kill, and destroy, and he's doing it. And the whole reason I came was so that you could have an overflowing life, and that life comes from my Father. And I have come for you to have that life. That's the whole reason I showed up. That's the whole reason I came. So God's not trying to get you to live better so that you can come to him. God wants to make a change in your heart. And when he makes a change in your heart because you have given yourself to him, his life comes in, his love comes in, every bit of his nature comes in, and his power shows up. He came to set you free. 
He came to bring you reality and truth. And the only way that you can come to him is with a decision from your heart as an act of your will. I'm not going to live for myself anymore. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. When you're born again, you get the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Now you live from that place in the Spirit, by the Spirit of God. Romans says that there is therefore now no condemnation for them who are in Christ, who don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Well, if you're born again, you're of the Spirit, so you can walk according to the Spirit. If you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. God is not condemning you. God is not uh, saying, that's the last straw. I'm done with you. I'm finished with you. He said, just give me your life. And the things that you thought were unchangeable and unsalvageable, I will bring life. I will bring life from darkness. I will bring light in the middle of your darkness. I will bring health to your sickness. I will bring deliverance where you are bound. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a few seconds. And when I do, I'd like every believer to pray it with me. And if you'd like to receive Jesus Christ, I just want you to pray that prayer from your heart. It's with the heart that man believes, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Say this with me. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son and that he died on the cross to remove my sins, to pay for my sins, to set me free from my sins. Lord Jesus, I receive you right now. Be my Lord, my Savior. I want you, and I want your life. Father God, thank you that I am now your child, a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen.